Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer, this recording is not intended to be used as medical advice, nor is it advice from a doctor. I am a coach, a recovery coach, and I offer advice from my own experience and my clients. But please, if you think you are in need of medical help, seek it immediately. We'll also be talking about subjects such as binging and purging, depression, and other sensitive topics. So if those trigger you, please listen at your own discretion. Hello, podcast listeners. How are you doing today? Happy Friday. Oh my gosh. Today, I wanted to talk about prolonging the high and how you need to stop doing that. And I'm going to get into it, uh, but the preview I want to say for that is that here's what I see with binge eating. I feel like binge eating is prolonging the high of food, and it's not all of it, but I feel like when you are a binge eater, you have this tendency with everything in life, really. Maybe it's not the case for you, but I find with myself, if I'm not binging on food, I have the tendency to try to binge on other things like games or people or experiences, and I just want that high to last as long as possible but it can't last. And that's where I think binging comes into play. And so this episode I'm about to do is inspired by a group coaching member who brought up this question of feeling sad after meals are over. And I talked a little bit about that and how it's totally normal, one, to feel sad when meals are over, but then two, when you aren't in acceptance of the fact that meals have to end that food has to end, that pleasure has to end, you're kind of then rejecting a normal sadness and loss of life and a normal high and low, and you're just trying to prolong that high. And typically what happens when people feel sad after meals sometimes is they try to keep eating more to try to prolong that experience. And then it just turns into numbing and it just turns into this bad thing and that pleasure delivers less and less and less. And so that's what I want to talk about today, a kind of a deep, fun topic that I feel quite passionately about. And really, that just is all it is, but we'll get into it in a second. But I did want to quickly announce that my eight-week group coaching program, for those of you guys that are new here, I run a small 20-person eight-week group coaching program dedicated to bulimia and binge eating recovery. We focus on super simple, straightforward tactics, such as eating enough, eating consistently, interrupting um, your binge and purge behaviors, and finding new coping tactics to deal with those things, and staying abstinent from behaviors and supporting each other on our journey. That's really the focus of the program. If that sounds like it would be something that you would enjoy and that would help you in your recovery process, that is currently open for enrollment. Uh, I don't even know if there are still spots available right now. There might not be, but it's open until enrollment. It starts February 27th, but enrollment is happening now and early enrollment is happening now, meaning that you'll get a discount if you join before February 13th. Um, And then it is open until spaces are filled. So the 20% cap is filled. If you are interested... In joining that, you can go to my website, bingebreakers.com, and just check out the new group coaching program. And I'm not taking consults for this program, but I am offering voice notes back and forth. So if you think it'd be a good fit, but you have questions, use the sign up info, email me, and I will send you back a personal voice note, um, letting you know any responses to your questions based on what the input you give me, if I think it's a bit good fit for you or not, and then information about the program and what what to expect when you join. And I have to say, I'm super proud of this program. I took a risk and switching up the format that I was originally doing, making a small, tight-knit, very short time frame 
for a recovery group coaching program, but it is working out so well. The current people in the program, they are focused. They are supportive of each other. They're showing up and talking vulnerably. The people that are having streaks um, of no behaviors are sharing a lot of their wins and they're inspiring other people in the group. And they're supporting then those who maybe aren't having having as much of a streak uh, as the others, but are still have fighting for their recovery and are finding micro progressions and how to stop their behaviors, how to get further and further away from it. Some people in the group, this is the first time they've ever shared with anyone in their life that they are struggling with binge eating or purging. And it's just been wild to see the transformation that these people are making in my life, but then also, of course, in their own lives. And then with others, I think one of the biggest values of the program that I always felt like, but now that I've switched to these very personal Zoom calls, this program is not like a mass group coaching program. It's a very small, tight-knit, personalized group coaching program is that the value people are getting from just sharing and being in a supportive environment with other people. It's just been really, really cool to watch. And I'm so happy and proud of the members in it and happy that I'd made this. But yeah, if that sounds like something to be interested for you, it's eight weeks. There's two calls that we have weekly, Tuesdays and Fridays, um, 4 p.m. Mountain Time and 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And there's also a personalized check-in each week from me via email. And I respond to each person individually. It's not a VA or an assistant. It is me that responds. Uh, The group calls are a personal Zoom call. They aren't a webinar. We all get to talk freely to each other. And there's lots of informative presentations in that group that's super helpful. And you get amazing downloadable content like a journal, a program guide, a video course, and all my past content, which is super helpful. Lots of tools to help you in recovery, like how to stop binging and purging, how to actually feel your feelings, how to eat enough and consistently, how to manage hunger cues, weight gain, all that sort of stuff. So super, super great on program friends. And also something I love about our group is our WhatsApp our WhatsApp group. We have a little like running chat together and every day someone's in there posting if they're struggling and then all the group members hop on and tell them certain things to help them out. And it's just, oh, I could talk about it all day. So anyway, if you want to join that, if it sounds like it'd be helpful for you, this is your opportunity to join. I won't have another group till April. So that's it'll after it. it is full. It's closed. You can't join until April. And so if you feel like this this would be something for you, reach out, go to my website. At the very least, check it out. You never know. All right. So to the podcast episode, I, in the group coaching call that we had last week, someone said, you know, I always feel sad after meals are over. And there, there are two things that I did and that I've seen other people do that really help with lessening the sadness that you feel after a meal or after you finish a certain food. And it's one, making sure that you're not having tons of scarcity around food and not just, and not just the type of food or food in general. I mean, the quantity of food, the variety of food, the amount of food and the consistency in which you're eating food and your thoughts about food. So removing scarcity of food, making sure you're having all of those things, you're having enough food, you're having the foods that you want, you know that it is abundant, you trust that you will have it again, those sorts of things. Because if you don't have trust that the food is going to be available and you are in scarcity around food, whether it's physical scarcity, mental scarcity, or both, then you're going to feel very sad after a meal ends because you know that it's going to be a long while till you get it again, or at least it feels that way. Even if you're going to binge in 10 minutes, it still feels like you're not going to get that food. And therefore the ending of that food is always a very, very sad event. And that feeling of disappointment and letdown is very strong because you have that scarcity. Um, Um, So that's one thing. And then the other thing is that 
you want to make sure that food isn't your only source of enjoyment. It isn't your only primary thing that you look forward to in your day. And occasionally this still happens to me. Like sometimes if I'm really busy and I'm just like grinding or I'm having a really bad day, sometimes food can be still the highlight of my day. And that's okay. That happens sometimes. But if it's consistently the only thing you have to look forward to and your only source of pleasure in your life and the only thing that you really think about and focus on, then of course, when a meal ends, that event is over. It's very, very sad. And the sadness is going to feel much more deep than if you had other things to look forward to. I find that when my life is full and vibrant and I have lots of things going on, food, while it's nice and I enjoy it, I'm okay with it ending because I know I have things to do. I don't have all day to sit and enjoy this meal. Um, I do enjoy the meal, but it's not everything. So that hopefully helps as well. And the more you fill your life up, the less that saddening feeling will be. I was also doing research. I did a post um, on Instagram. I'm going to do a follow-up post for that soon. And it was part of a presentation that I did in our group coaching membership. So it was on, I did a whole presentation two weeks ago in the group coaching program on is bulimia's metabolic effects. Like, so how bulimia is affecting your metabolism and how it's very ineffective for weight loss and weight management long term, and that it actually is going to make you more likely to gain weight long term. And so I want to do a podcast episode on that because that's really cool. But if you are interested in the group program, those are the type of presentations that I'm doing. They're very in-depth and cool. And I like shared a bunch of studies for it and it was very fun. But if you want the leftover of that, go to my Instagram and check that that post out. That was really cool. And I was very proud of it. Uh, but um Anyways, in my research for that, I did find a few studies that suggest that people who struggle with binge eating, they um or, or struggle with bulimia and disordered eating, they're more likely to have a heightened pleasure response for to certain foods, particularly with sugar. Not always, this isn't always the case. We don't know if it's directly impacted by bulimia or binge eating. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's this correlation that they find. And I don't know the exact um things that go on. I'd have to look up the study, which I'm not going to do now, but they're finding that, which is interesting. There's this heightened pleasure response. So we might alone just have that. And I can remember since I was I said in this post that I made about feeling sad after meals. And and I didn't say it to the person, but I remember at five years old being sad when meals are over. And I remember at five years old, truly looking forward to meals and, and having meals be this very pleasurable, tasty experience. I remember sometimes I would like close my eyes while eating mashed potatoes and butter or something. It was just like this just thing I look forward to. And i feel like I enjoyed my food more than other people. And maybe it was just a projection. I don't know. But I would say that I fall into that category of having a heightened pleasure response to food, just like I do with other really thing, things that I enjoy, maybe. And that might be what contributes to us being binge eaters and us being maybe more addiction prone in general. And that's not necessarily anything you can fix. It just is the way you are. But it brings me to my next point. So what helped me with feeling sad after meals and not prolonging highs, which I think is what leads to numbing and binging more than anything else outside of simply making sure I wasn't in scarcity with food, fueling myself and having enough variety of foods and also filling my life with other things. Once you have those two very important crucial things under your belt, what helped me, I think most of all, was this idea of highs are meant to end 
that there are meant to be highs and there are meant to be lows in life, that you can't prolong any feeling indefinitely. And that is something I always hate, I'm always resistant to, and I think people in general are resistant to, but it's super important and to know in your life, otherwise you'll be constantly chasing a high and you will never quite get what you're looking for and you'll miss all the other pleasurable experiences along the way and you'll be numbing constantly and you will never really be satisfied with anything. Um, so I like to think about it this way. Let's say you're a little kid and you have a vacation or or a birthday. I think I remember always looking forward to my birthdays. And you have this event, you're looking forward to it, looking forward to it, and it happens. You have this big birthday and you have a celebration. Everyone gives you presents and everyone like gives you a cake and there are all the attentions on you and it's super, super fun. But then that date is over and then people go on with their lives and you feel this sadness and this disappointment. Is that disappointment wrong? Is it bad? Or you take a vacation and the vacation vacation was super nice and you had a really good time. And then on your way home, you start to feel the sadness of it's over. It's done. I am sad. I am disappointed. I am. There's the letdown. There's the come down from that experience. Is that something that needs to be fixed? No, because if you try to prolong your birthday <laughs> and the celebration is all about you, or you try to prolong vacation, it stops becoming vacation or this prolonged fun celebration of you. It start, It loses its luster. I remember this coach telling me, you know, have you heard of the law of diminishing returns? How, you know, the first few bites are always the best, but then after they lose their pleasure over time, you stop tasting it as much. You start to stop experiencing the heightened pleasure. It's just like with any drug as well. So knowing that it's actually, you're going to get more pleasure in your life. This is interesting. You're going to get more pleasure if you allow those things to come to an end and allow the sadness and low that follows after a pleasurable experience in order to get to the next one. And the more and more you do that, the faster you get at allowing that sadness to be there and that disappointment to be there, the faster you can move on to your life and find other sources of pleasure and experience them, but then also go to that next high. And you can't get to that next high without experiencing the low. And knowing that, knowing that it's a vital piece of life and it's supposed to happen and there's nothing wrong when it's happening, I think allows me to accept the sadness after a meal more than anything else. Because if you keep trying to go, it's not going to be the same. You're going to keep cashing in and not getting what you want out. And it's just going to be ash in your mouth rather than the heightened pleasurable experience you were looking for initially. And then at that point, you're just numbing. You're not actually experiencing what you once had. You're just trying to prolong an experience that is meant to end. And it's supposed to end. And it's it's honestly a really good metaphor for life and death, right? Like we have a life, we have an end, that is how it is. And the more you can be in acceptance of it, the faster I think you can then, the better you can experience your life as it is. Like when I'm constantly resisting feeling low, when I'm resisting not being an emotion, when I'm resisting whatever is presently happening, that I'm removing myself from the world and then I can't experience the world. But whenever I just surrender to it and I'm there for it, then my life becomes a lot more full and rich again. You can't numb the good or you can't numb the bad without numbing the good. You tend to numb both when you do that. All right. Hopefully that podcast was cohesive. Hopefully it helped you. I think that it's something that I constantly have to relearn. I had to learn it this year with several things again. Uh, I have to, I have to, I had to learn it with people this year of like, you can't binge people. You, you can't prolong highs with people. That's meant to come to an end too, you know? And you can't like keep prolonging being in this happy, perfect, energetic state. You also have to accept, like, I always have these big, 
shifts every month where I'm in ovulation phase, like I'm super energetic and happy and feel really good. But then I also have that PMS phase where I feel really low and I was always super resistant to that. But then this year and earlier last or later last year, I feel like I just became a lot more like, this is the natural part of my cycle. This is the natural part of who I am. And like, I can just be in this lower state and that is okay. And there's actually, then when I stopped being in such resistance to it, resistance to it, I found that being in that lower state helped me see things that I wasn't seeing in my happy state and helped me kind of regroup and take space and take time and be reflective, right? You can't constantly be on a high. That's not what you want. Um, even if you think it's what you want, it's not what you want. All right. Hope that this was helpful for you. Two things coming up with the podcast. I have a few guests that I recorded podcasts with that are going to be coming on soon. And then I also am hoping to, I just announced it to the group coaching members today, so we'll see. But I'm hoping to do a panel with the group coaching members where they're going to send me in voice notes of... um their experience in the group coaching program, their reflections, what they've learned so far in their recovery and advice that they'd give to you if you're struggling with bleeding your recovery right now. So I'm hoping that will come to fruition. Hopefully me saying this make means it's not going to come true. I hope that's not the case, but that's underway. And then of course, if you want to join the group coaching program, it is a really, really good program. And I think it will really help you. And it's super affordable. It's one of the most affordable group coaching programs out there. That's especially for the level of person, personal touch that I'm giving. Like I talk to you twice a week. I am in the WhatsApp group with you chatting back and forth. I personally respond to all of your emails. This is not just a like go into the group coaching program and then lose you. You know, it's a, a very deeply personal program because I want it to work for you. So check it out. Go to bingebreakers.com. Otherwise, I hope you guys are doing well. I'm feeling fucking great. Uh, I think it's because I'm eating enough food and I'm training in the gym hard and enjoying it. And I'm running and sunny out. The weather's good this week. That's probably why I'm feeling good. Let's be real. And I'm just not in any situation that's making me feel awful about myself. And that works. So, you know, look at your life. If you're feeling down, maybe one of those things are going on. I hope that if you're feeling down, that your life gets better for you. And I'm just going to stop here because I could keep on talking forever. Never, ever, ever give up on yourself my friend. 